time for Cofield and Company. Play action fake. Lamba throws a sideline pass complete to White on the other sideline. He goes down the sideline. Still going at the 15-10-5. Touchdown. Touchdown, Rebels. Ricky White, they tried one sideline pass and got 10. They tried another sideline pass and they got 58. Third and one, Rebels. Hand off to Lester. Left big hole. 40, 45, 50, near sideline. 40, 35, 30, 25, 15, 10. It is a touchdown for Donovan Lester. 66 yards, and the Rebels extend their lead yet again. The Rebels are clustering around the Fremont Cannon, and the Fremont Cannon for the second consecutive year belongs to Las Vegas. 45-27, the final score. From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Wow, no better way to get more fired up than a intro to punchy music, huh? No Steve Cofield, that also helps. Energy's just palpable in the room. It is a special edition of Antobo y Los Vatos. Damon Cotton is here, running everything. Are, you still, are they still spitting ones and twos? I don't think so. Electronically? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pots. Like the first pot, the second pot, the third pot. It also reminds me... Adam Hills, by the way, and yeah. Las Vegas Review Journal is here as well. It was very strange. Uh, on, on Saturday, I was wondering, they brought, you know, they, uh, obviously uh, Joe Green does a fantastic job DJing in the arena for uh, Golden Knights games and many other events around town, but mean they Joe brought... Green? Uh, DJ Joe Green. Oh, okay. Uh, they brought Lil John up there to the booth, because they do... Because they do. You've gone to a Golden Knights game, they do a nightclub at the second intermission. Mm-hmm. And then Lil John came up, and I was like, oh, he's going to take over as DJ for this. And then he did. He just kind of stood there. That was it? I was like, well, why, at least, like, why is he there? They move a little bit? <laughs> he was he was kind of doing a little bit of hype work. Say, do but he, I was does like, he do what us white people do at weddings? You know, or you just kind of, like, move your shoulders a little bit to the beat? He was, in, you know, raising, kind of beating up the beat a little That's bit. Right. You know, it was, uh, it was interesting. But I was like, well, he's here. Why don't they let him do it? Yeah, he is a DJ now, right? Yeah. 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 So once he went up there, let's let's do this. No, didn't nothing. Happen. But he wasn't on the ones and twos. I don't think is the. I think that's what the is answer. that terminology? What does that mean? The ones and the twos. That means like your two, two discs, tables. right? Yeah, ones and twos. There's two turntables, and you're on both of them. Part of my tailgating story when I was up in Reno is whoa, that- whoa, whoa. There's, a, there's an art to this. We're no, no, get no. To this. I just want to confirm that the ones and twos are still being used by the kids. Because the picture I did put in the rundown, I believe you were standing next to ones and twos. There was a there was a tailgate that Demon was at this weekend. Crashed. He was up in uh, up in Reno, taking in what eventually became a dominant victory for UNLV to keep the Fremont Cannon red. We'll get to the actual game maybe something, at some point. Something that was never in doubt. Um, yeah, they were like the, well, the betting market had something to say about it. Yeah, they were true. like ten point favorites, and that thing got bet down to seven. So there was quite a bit of support. Kind of understood it, even in hindsight, you kind of get it. Um, but DeMond was up there. Oh, we'll get to the football aspect at some point because it is a big win for UNLV. But a bigger win for DeMond is going to party with the hillbillies up north. Yeah. But go? Even more importantly, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not that hour yet. We can, we can say it whatever we want. Uh, I'll say it. The bigger question, somebody asked me today and I actually didn't know. Did you go for work or you just go as a fan of UNLV? I was a credentialed member of the media. Oh, so you didn't like partake in any libations prior to the game? No, I did not. But it was uh, offered. Are you lying? You're just trying to say you're trying to pretend that you're being professional with your credential. I am the utmost professional. What was your job? What did you do? Oh no, I'll give to my credit. He did you not some... see in the tweet, senior vibes correspondent? I was there for the vibes. I don't follow you. 
Okay. But I, I was just wondering. Demond underscore the boss? Yeah, I was just wondering. Ironic because he's not? Uh, no, I, honestly, to spiral in even further, I don't see any tweets anymore ever or X's or whatever. What do you are. mean? Why? I, 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 no tweet deck anymore. I don't even tweet know what's going on. Tweet still works. It doesn't. I mean, the new version of you it. You subscribed? It's like the, oh, no. I, I still get it for free. How? We got to work on this during the break. Oh, that's right. No, I am a Twitter Blue user. I totally forgot about that. You yeah. subscribed? Yeah, I did. Oh, you sell out. Yep. I am. You I want people to read my stuff. <laughs> absolute sell I have never been shy about selling out. I'll oh, sell out anything. Lord. Give me money and do, I'll do whatever I need to push my brand further. I, you I can't would, afford I $8, pay. Adam? I would actually pay for TweetDeck. Then pay. That's if what you're I'm not, No, if I'm not then paying to subscribe. I'm not going to subscribe to Twitter. I would pay for the actual tweet deck. But that's subscribing usage. to Twitter. No. No, no, no. You didn't you didn't have to subscribe before you had tweet deck. They just made tweet deck a premium product cuz they know right. so many people like it. But like I would pay for the product if you didn't if I didn't have to get a check and say I was subscribed. I mean, it seems like subscribing to Twitter in different ways. No, I don't I don't want the, the them pushing your narrative like they do too. Like your tweets get pushed out more because That's you right. subscribe. That's right. I don't want that stuff. Oh, my followership has gone yeah. through the roof. Yeah, I don't all want legitimate, that stuff. all organic. Yeah. I don't want that. I just want usage of tweet deck. Maybe so it's like many, four dollars a month. It's so weird. So many hot chicks with lots of numbers in their Twitter handles yeah. are following me like crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So I don't see I don't see tweets <laughs> anymore. So I don't know. Did like did were you did you engineer the broadcast? No, he was no. There. Yeah, he I was, was there. just there as a member of media. I was there tailgating. So there there was a big tailgate, you know, in this in this parking lot. So the main one where they had the DJ booth, I just went up to the kids. I was like, Hey, I'm Demon with ESPN Las Vegas. Can I come up here? They're like, Yeah, come on up. So then Demon. I'm, I'm yes. Demon. Yeah. And they're like, Oh You didn't even use your last name? They don't need a last name. Just These gonna, kids don't they, care. They know. Like, what's your last yeah. name? The boss. Yeah. <laughs> so they're up there with the ones and twos, and it was a big sea of kids. You know, a lot of F U N L V T shirts. Didn't sure. matter at the end of the yeah. day. Clockers. I'm asking people predict the score and they're giving out these outrageous numbers. And I was like, These guys don't know. Do they realize no. how bad their team is? No, they don't. They're clueless. Uh just clueless hillbillies as I think John said earlier. Hey, I only so, called them hillbillies. I'm still confused as dude, you just decided you were going to go up there or somebody said, "Hey, you have to go up there to run the party." Someone needed to be up there for the for the company. All right, so someone needed to be there. Yeah, yes. fine. Steve couldn't make the trip cuz you know broadcasting issues whatever, so. Sure. So someone that, needed that to be there. That stadium is so archaic. Yes. That they couldn't get a TV broadcast in there. <laughs> wow. It's insane. What a mess. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. So the vibes were good. Vibes were good pregame, yes. Because you were the you were the director of vibes. That's of course. Man, I was running into so many people. Jacob De Jesus. I feel like I'm a part of his family now. Oh, the whole family was out yeah. there? Oh, yeah. Because I ran into him before the game, and they were like, oh, 21's going to take one to the house. And I was like, man, these guys are fired up. They even had like a fat head of his head just out. <laughs> but then after the game, Randoms. I see him again, and he's like, yeah, I'm his dad. And he, like, and he was dapping me up again. So they, that explains, because DeMond did send out. He did actually, to give DeMond credit, he did uh, produce content. There was videos of the scrum after the game of Barry Odom, who we hear from momentarily, uh, had videos of the tailgate. He also tweeted out a video and slugged it, I'm paraphrasing, these folks really think that Jacob De Jesus is going to have a big game. And I was like, I feel like that's his family. Yeah. Because I think Jacob De Jesus is a really good player. I don't know if there's a contingent of UNOV fans that are just big. What is it? JDJ? JDJ? Yeah, big JDJ fans already. They should be. Yeah. Guy's I mean, awesome. he's very good. Every yes. time he has the ball, his hands is electric. It's fantastic. And I like as far as the game goes, like we will talk about it. But, like, yeah, whatever we expected, I think, if you were paying attention. Like, that's not a real football program. UNOV is now. Like, that. 
That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think everybody expected them to yeah. win. That's why they were touchdown favorites. Yeah. Not a big surprise. So you said, I'm going to – DeMond better deliver. DeMond said in our show notes earlier today that he had a story. When he came in, he said, oh, I got a story. Oh, boy. <laughs> so if the story is just I went up and told them I'm DeMond from ESPN Las Vegas and I watched people party, I think we might have to petition Q our program director, to back. fire DeMond. Yeah, straight back. <laughs> uh, can, should we just totally stay out of the way, be quiet, and just make him talk on an island about what this great story is? I, I mean, he seemed excited. So, DeMond, what's the story? <clears throat> you know what? Turn our mics off. Just, yeah. it's all, it's all. all right. There you go. No, their mics are off, everybody. So I go up to Reno for the first time. I'm going to turn them back on just in case they do want to chime in. I go up to Reno. This is my first time out in Reno. So, obviously, I go to the game. I'm a big deal. People are talking to me. One guy even said, hey, man, where are the girls at? And that, that was a real big confidence booster. If this young man thinks that I know where the girls are, I still got it. Is you it know? because he – no, I was going to say So, but we go out later that night because one of my best friends from high school actually lives in Reno. Is this the one that owes you money? No. Okay. okay. Another friend. But me and this friend and his brothers, we go out and say, hey, we're going to hit the town in Reno. Something I've never done before. Something nobody's ever said before. Exactly. <laughs> the biggest little city is whatever they call it. The actual review of the city, 2 out of 10. And I'll, and I'll get into why. <laughs> so we go to a karaoke bar. We want to do karaoke. Let's do it. We go to one place. The DJ's like, yo, man. I was like, hey, man, you haven't gotten to our songs yet. He's like, I'm five hours backed up. It's $20 if you wanted to sing a song here. I walk away. <laughs> $20. $20 for a song. So we go to another karaoke it's bar. Better than, I figured he was going to say we don't do any of, any of that music. Oh, that'd be, <laughs> I also thought the mom's response was like, dude, you know what's going on with my car? I can't afford $20. Yeah. Yeah. So we go to one that's literally a couple, a couple of buildings over. We go to another karaoke bar. And somehow throughout the night, my best friend from high school is getting escorted out. And it's like, whoa, 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 there must be some misunderstanding. And the security guard tells me calmly, we caught him in the employees-only room peeing in a bucket. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's I, justified to kick him out. Exactly. What are you talking I, about? That happens every day. It's Reno. And I say, That's let me go do. check the bathrooms. Maybe the bathrooms or something's wrong with the bathrooms. My friend just wouldn't do this. The bathrooms were completely empty. No line, no nothing. Okay. So uh, we lose him. After that, we get, we get kicked out of that bar. So, well, let's just go back to the other karaoke bar. We didn't get kicked out of there. We don't see him again for the rest of the night. Wow. And okay. I'll tell you this, sidebar. Oh, it was getting dark. Yeah, <laughs> are, we, are we worried? Yeah, we should be. Sidebar, me and the other brother, you know, we were uh, talking to some young ladies. I still got it. <laughs> I don't usually flex the moves like that. Yeah. You know, you put me in a bar setting. You know, when it's time for me to put on my A game, I still got it. You know, I don't know if you guys know about that anymore. JVT, I know you're married. Adam, I don't know if you're still putting out the work. Sure. But if you guys want me to come along with you at a night to see me work. <laughs> this is a long pitch, just be like a wingman? Right. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, that's all I'm saying. This is a long, also, this is a long buildup to just tell us that he still got it. Like, and, that yeah, was yeah, the story. Yeah, that was a real flex. But also, is your friend, have we found your friend? Here we go. So, me and the brother go home at 5 a.m. When you say the brother. His, his, his older like his younger brother. Oh, okay. My I thought you yeah. meant, like, brother. No. Uh, you ER, know? ER, not Like, a. you know how, like, in awkward interactions. With not like my people, brother. How, yeah. His brother. <laughs> Hard R brother. <laughs> We get back home around 5 a.m., a night of crushing it on the town. My friend from high school comes back at 7 a.m., black eye, bruised up on his face. And he says, yeah, I had to take a bus home. I don't know where my phone's at. 
And I'm like, what the heck happened? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know. Maybe I, I kind of blacked out. Maybe I fell. Doubtful. Very doubtful. I think my friend got mugged, but he says, oh, but I have my wallet. But he didn't have his leather jacket from the night before. <laughs> well, his leather jackets are cool, so. <laughs> exactly. I think he got beat up for the leather jacket, and he was just too embarrassed to tell us about it. This is a, I mean, this is actually the happiest possible solution in Reno. Yeah, so my right. grade on Reno as a town, 2 out of 10. I mean, the weather was nice. I thought it was going to be cold and unbearable. That's no, a terrible place. I mean, terrible. Nope, that confirms it for me. It's why they... It's why the people up there get so worked up about this quote-unquote rivalry that doesn't they really exist. It's all they have. And then when I tried to trash talk to people at the bars, like, oh, yeah, UNLV, what'd you think of the game today? We, you know, we gave it to you. Oh, uh, you know, we're not even that good this year. Then they took away my joy from that. Well, they're not good. They're mm-hmm. terrible. Those I know, but at least they could have, you know. Demond, the highlight of their, their season is losing by seven to Kansas. That's true. <laughs> they hung around. <laughs> That's and I think didn't Kansas fumble five times and or no There's Reno something ridiculous. I think Kansas fumbled five times and recovered yeah. them all or Reno Reno fumbled five times and recovered all of them. Like Kansas didn't recover. Somebody was kind of a fluke result. Anyway. It was a ridiculous result. Yeah. Kansas had gained them by a wide margin and they were still yeah. in it for some weird reason. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my review. I mean, the tailgate was fun. Best friend got mugged, and I made it back in one piece. And the cannons red. Yeah. Most important part. Thank you. There you go. There you go. Good trip. A good trip. Solid. All right. Well, that's our UNLV football breakdown. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, that's all we got for UNLV football coverage. <laughs> Thanks for today. tuning in, guys. That's right. And there was a big hubbub on Twitter of what we were going to talk about. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, how about this? We'll answer the question Is Barry Odom the greatest head coach in UNLV football yes. history? Segment's over. It is Cofield the company, but no namesake of the program, Steve Cofield. He is off. He, I saw his Instagram. I mean, I'm not even talking about like weight wise. I'm just talking about like take care of your gullet wise. <laughs> the things that Cofield eats, holy <laughs> smokes, man! Like I would have the poops for days. <laughs> okay. I don't know where he's at. I do. Okay, where is he? Oh, you is he in New Orleans? You don't know really. Yeah, he's this New Orleans. Okay, you generally, yeah. I know he usually takes that trip. So yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. He had pancakes, fried green tomato Benedict, a mimosa flight, a late night pizza, and fried chicken po' boys. Fried chicken po' boys are awesome. But that's like over the span. He said, like, good start to the trip. So I'm assuming yeah, that's in the first, first 24 first hours. hours. Are you a New Orleans guy? I've never been. I've always wanted oh, to go. Dude, it's so good. First of all, how did, if you're going to go that wild in New Orleans, how is there not a Cafe du Monde stop? Is that like a big thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're from that neck of the woods. It's a in that general direction. It's a, Have it's, you ever been there? It's super no. crowded, and it's a, it's where everybody goes, but there's a huge area outside. And we went uh, last year, a bunch of us, the night before the Raiders played the Saints, saw players, like staffers, fans, like everybody in different groups, but all, all ascended there. on yeah. the same place. Because it's like the, it's like beignet, it was just like a, it's like a dough with like sugar on it. It's I've heard of those. Incredible. That and the, uh, what's the drink of choice? The alcoholic one? The hurricane? Yeah, is that oh, that's yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. The big red drinks are they red? Uh, or can they be, be different colors? Can be a little different. You okay, mix some different things in there. All right. but it's just a lot of different rums all together. Really? Uh, and Cafe right. Dumont has the co- the coffee too, which is Ooh. tremendous. I like coffee. Alcohol, co- alcohol, th- alcohol. I don't coffee? think they have a. I don't think they have a liquor license there. Oh, okay. It's amazing. I like alcohol in my coffee too. I like alcohol in general. I mean, that's twenty four hours. Ugh. I'm sure they'll go there at some point. We'll see it. What were you gonna say? Why are you putting me on the spot, man? Because you, you were like you're leading into yeah, the, the microphone. 
I really had nothing. I was so in. All right, what a great way! What a great way to transition. Still recovering from the trip to Reno, of course, where UNLV goes out, gets I still a big don't win. Know what he did there? Absolutely dominant. <laughs> he just took social content. You, know you know what? This is what he did. This is what he. No, did. I guess my question: Were you assigned to go, or you decide I'm just going to go? I decided I'm going to go. I okay. sometimes that you got to put the team question. on your back. Okay, Lotus, Lotus paid for it, right? It's definitely going to be a tax write-off. Okay, there you go. <laughs> fair. You just discovered the ability of the tax write-off like two months ago. I know. I told you about it. You were amazed. See? <laughs> Helping everybody out. But DeMond was there. You cable on there, too. Yes, that's, that was what we talked about, I also actually. like somebody talking tax write-off when they can't afford to get their car back. Oh, yeah. Did you get that back? <laughs> Man, we got to talk about this game, Coach Odom. Okay, all right. So the car is still um, not with still DeMond. His car. Uh, I'm sure Coach Odom has his car. How'd you get here? Do you Uber here? <laughs> oh, you're borrowing your mom's car. Yes, of oh, course. His roommate. I remember. His roommate. Sorry. Okay. So a man who has his car and doesn't have roommates but a family that lives with him, Barry Odom. <laughs> um, you want to know what DeMond did? He stood in the scrum. Did you ask a question? Nah. Oh, okay, all he's right. Hungover. But he got this awesome audio of this is, I will say, Steve and I have talked about this quite a bit. So UNLV's five and one. They're a win away from a bowl or bowl eligibility. They've been kicking other opponents' asses for quite a while yeah. now. And one of the first things that you're gonna hear Odom say is, Yeah, it's cool, but we gotta get better. There's momentum, you can feel it. You feel it in the city, not just with, with our sport, but uh, all the UNLV sports, and then you got all the other things in the city. Uh, we've got to do our part, and you know the guys feed off of that. There's no doubt about it. We're still we're not where we need to be. Uh, offense, defense, kicking. We did some really good things enough to win that game, um, but the the pursuit of getting as good as we can get. Uh, we'll enjoy this one until we get home, and then it's on to the next. But I'm I'm, I'm so happy for our team. I don't want to confuse the message. Um, I'm thrilled for our program to be five and one, two and zero in the conference. But that's right where UNLV should be. It's a cool message. I mean, in that you don't want to be complacent. I don't want to say the team last year got complacent, but they were four and one, and then we know how that season ended. Sure. So to keep kind of pushing the message home, like, hey, yes, it's great, but there's still things that you have to do. And you can make the argument, Adam, you only outgained Reno on Saturday, what, by about 30, 40 yards. Well. Yes, but a lot of that was second half, like sure. you know, you playing prevent and you you know kind of running out the clock a little bit. Sure, but I think when you're if you're a coach that's trying to push home the message, like hey, don't get complacent, we're not good enough. I think that's one of the first things you're pointing to is like, hey, you still gave up over 470 sure. yards, and you not got lucky, but you were plus three in the turnover column. If you're not plus three, things go differently. Don't get complacent. We still have more to achieve. I also like the the subtleness, basically, of if you really read between the lines, which I love doing because. It's what coaches do anyway, except for Mike McDaniel, the greatest coach of all time. Uh, coaches say things without saying them. Then you got to kind of interpret what they're saying. I think I've learned expert uh, coach speak from oh, Josh, Josh McDaniel. He's brilliant at saying every nothing. Every day learning yeah. it. But saying something but nothing, but you have to interpret what he's saying. What, what Odom's saying there is actually it's more than even talking about his team. He just totally lit Reno on fire, which basically was like, yeah, we blew him out. We sucked. Mm. They're just not good. It was good enough today. That 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 state, that's all you did here. It was good enough today. Like, yeah, we blew out a terrible, terrible team. It wasn't good enough to beat anybody else. I think it's kind of cool, man. Like, and look, this is my first like the first time over the last two years that I've really tried to help out with the coverage, right? So being around like the two head coaches and seeing the difference in the dynamic and the way that things are playing out. 
Like Odom and the mentality of just consistently every message you hear is just, all right, move forward, keep going, not good enough, even if we're having success, seems to be rubbing off on this team. And there seems to you mean be. As opposed to you start four and one, you're like, look, I'm awesome. And I guess the, the players are here too, but I'm great. And then when you start losing a bunch of games, like that player's got to be better, man. Hey, we're going to get. You're saying you. as opposed to that yes, message? Yes, as opposed to that okay. message. I got you. Although the person you're referring to did give me a bottle of water on a trip once. So, you know, <laughs> we're tight. <laughs> okay. We're tight. Okay. But I will say so I want to ask, I asked the question, and I actually, I'm not, I guess I'm being somewhat facetious. He's up there as like one of the better head coaches this program has ever had. Up there, is he the best? I mean, I'm sure. Does people... he replace Tony Sanchez? <laughs> no, it'd be it'd be John Robinson, I think. But oh, I just I it's... say Tony Sanchez because sure. that nice shiny football complex. It's true, you got. Like, you got a nice complex. Um, John, I mean, John Robinson had quite a deal of success, of and I think people, I think what people would say is he's the best coach because he's the most successful coach that's ever been here. Not if it was necessarily here, um, but I would say the job that he has done. So far in this brief amount of time is the best job I've seen somebody do, for sure. And you can go back to the you know there was days of like the early, in the eighties of like you know dominance at the one not even dominance success at the one double A level right, or right. Division two level whatever they were doing. Um, but yeah, in terms of this you know being at this level of of college football and taking a team that was where they were and making them this, it's a it's the best coaching job we've seen anybody do at UNLV. Devon, were you? Was that the first time you've been around Odom in like a media standpoint? It was actually. What do you think? What do you think of the message afterward? What do you think of what he was talking about after the win? I thought it was impressive the message he had after the win, but also the video that I captured of him walking off the field, where the assistant has his hands up like, "Man, we just did it." He's fist pumping, and Odom's just walking. I just love that juxtaposition of the assistant. We did it. We got this. Odom just walking back to the locker room. So the message is still the same where I'd say it's impressive that he says we're not going to, you know, we're, we're, hey, we just got to keep this building, you know, like you said, keep moving forward. And then where he, he gets asked about the quarterback, how did Maya play? Yeah, I thought he was efficient, but people aren't going to want to hear this. <laughs> I thought very efficient, and again, you know, everybody's going to not not like the comment. I think we've got three quarterbacks that we can win with, and they're all three continuing to get better. Um, I thought he was smart with his decisions. There's a couple um, that we wish we had back, but that's learning, that's experience, um, that's part of the process. He's been pretty staunch on that, and if you look at it, Mayava each week, and you know how much, and I think you you respect them as well. I enjoy the PFF metrics and their gradings and whatnot. Since Mayava's taken over, he's been pretty below average. That was his best game by far. It was the first time he hadn't committed to turnover-worthy play, at least in terms of being a starter. He didn't commit a turnover-worthy play uh, in his time at Michigan uh, when he came in in relief. So it was his best game, but still, Adam, pretty average grades across the board, and I think this is this is the, th- the case that I've been making, and I talked to Caleb Herring about this. As Odom said, people might want to hear that because, like, well, you keep winning. Yeah. Quarterback keeps winning. Like, yeah. what's the problem? Why do we need to keep doing this? I think if you want to maximize this offense, because this is the part of the schedule Steve and I talked about a couple of times. If you're better, this is the part of the schedule you're taking advantage of. You're beating UTEP. You're beating Nevada. You're beating Hawaii. But when the schedule starts to ratchet up and you need to maximize what your offensive production can be – I still think that's Doug Brumfield who's going to do that for you. Yeah, so do I. And I think the the old school approach, which is what it here, what it is right now, of hey, not only are they waiting, they're putting up forty four points. Why would you ever change quarterbacks? Well, the, the quarterback happens to be playing right now. They've also rushed for like a billion yards. Yeah, in the last three. And, the, and the quarterback happens to be one in the game. And I think there is there is kind of that old school 
you know, pre-analytic approach of, well, maybe he's the one that's allowing the running game to be open, which is, is certainly worth some sort of evaluation. But I, I don't think he's done anything to set the world on fire. I don't think he's changed the dynamic of the offense since he's been in there. I think he's been the quarterback at the right time. And you know the, the problem is now, as it starts to get harder, if they do at some point make the switch back, and all of a sudden they lose, oh, they made the quarter. Like, no, it's they're playing harder competition. You, you're, like those people that would say that, you're telling me that Doug Brumfeld wouldn't have beat Reno, right? Like, come on, exactly. I mean, don't, don't be stupid. Then you look at these last three games, and you can yeah. make the argument that like you're winning those games, and you're just, you're just winning. You're not. The, the, it, there is certainly a lot of room for the off, for the offense to grow. And perhaps the narrative is different if Vanderbilt makes a kick at the end of that game. Yeah. And yes, maybe everything plays out the same. You've won three straight. But in terms of the conversation around the quarterback, right, you throw the interception at the end and there's not this beating down of like, hey, you can't change this. You can't. Yeah. You well, can still go in that direction. It's, it goes back to, and I mean, you know, I know people have a very, very hard time with it, but results-based thinking is such a low form of intellect. It, it just reflects so poorly on who you are as a person. And how your brain works. Why are you looking at DeMond? I didn't. I was, you I was, did. And then I looked at <laughs> I was like, you like, wait, did you just look at DeMond? Um, I know a couple of people that are that way. Of course. And it just, if you are that person, maybe you just aren't capable of higher level thinking, but possibly, I guess. But I, I'm around some of those people all the time and I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand you. I don't, I don't get how you don't understand that the result doesn't necessarily justify the decision. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. So when the Raiders play, what does your day look like? Home game or away game? Um, it's a big difference. Home game like yesterday? yesterday? Yeah. Um, well, it obviously is a little bit different with uh, with a 6.30 game. Yeah. Because I'm not, I don't, like if there's games on, I'm going to be watching somehow. Um, little issue this week is that there was a... Uh, a little gathering that I had to attend Saturday. Not mm-hmm. had to, I wanted to. And uh, got home around 5.45. Former media member celebrating pre-wedding? Yeah, bachelor, bachelorette okay. party joint right, right. thing. That's what it was. Uh, and so, yeah, I got home like 5.45 and then watched the game at 6.30. Left for the stadium at 9.30. And then, uh, you know, walked around, talked to as many people as I could, scouts, stuff like that, in the press box, hang out. Get ready for the game. Watch Red Zone in the uh, in the press box. And then so you watch the Red game. Zone, okay? And then, uh, yeah, and then cover the game. And then you're there. You end up being there till about nine thirty, ten. So the reason I ask is, Demond and I actually had the same thought about yesterday. I was sitting down, and you know, I, I'm like, I'm like Adam Hill now, where I'm always writing, you know, when I'm out <laughs> yeah, and about and yeah. doing stuff. Um, and I was watching the games, and I and I caught myself as I'm watching the games yesterday. I was out at the D Las Vegas, and I was like, Do these games suck? Like, there's just Am I? I'm I'm kind of sitting here, and we all like the NFL so much, but I, but I'm watching like I have the Lions on a contest card, right? I'm enjoying that they're winning, but that game sucks. You know, all of these games kind of stink. Well, it was also an afternoon game, and I I mean they at least tried. I think what? But seven even the morning games kind of stink. Well, it's not. It's not. I just mean that there's less opportunities for there to be a good game. Sure. Um, and the after, I mean, I thought the Jets Eagles game looked pretty good. I I got to watch a little bit when I got home. Watch the the tape of it. Um, that looked decent. Uh, the Raiders game was horrific, even though it was it, close. It was a terrible game. I got to say, this is this is this is my theory. I think we're all hypnotized. I think that the NFL has been a good product for a while, but 
it is all starting to go downhill. But we love it so much, we're willing to overlook the flaws because we get to use Sundays to go drink and do whatever we want, most of us. And because and well, watch the games and overlook the flaws of what we're watching. I, I think the the counter is that because I, I do have some friends who feel that way, and I have to argue this all the time. Um, you're obviously waiting for those special moments, those great moments, which do happen almost every week. Um, and so that's part of it, just not knowing what's going to happen, and you know, trying to you know figure out what the next thing could be. Was the magic moment this week? Mac Jones taking a sack and not allowing Patriots sure. betters to cover. Sure, uh, that was good. Um, but I also I. I feel like I know this about you. Maybe I'm wrong, but I also would say I think you're not a fantasy guy. Uh, this year I'm not, and yeah. that's th- this is the first yeah. year. I had a bunch of punk friends, some of them might be listening, who lost. I won our league last year. Sure. And for some reason we're just like, oh, we don't really feel like playing fantasy this year because <laughs> okay. you guys got murked. That's why. Well, luckily, that's the only fantasy league in the world. There's no other. No other I don't have enough. Fr- I don't have any friends. Nobody's, um, not, nobody's can, asking me to join stuff. You. I can get you in. Um, I and I think that's it because – if if you are playing fantasy on some level, and some people have even one league, whatever, I've now 80 teams this year, yeah, uh, which good. is silly. Um, but, I mean, every single play matters somewhere. Sure. Right? And so, like, that does change how you watch games, I think, for sure. And and I, I feel like I would probably be more willing or be more in agreement with you if I wasn't such a fantasy person. But even, like, I have, like I'm betting on these games. It's just – there's just – Even betting is You know like, what? The, i got to bet more. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I've got to props practice unsafe gambling practices. That'll really ratchet up the adrenaline. Or a lot of props or, like, live bets, that sort of thing. It does change because you're talking about, like, Lions were just in control. So you're like, all right, I got this bet. That's cool. By the way, I did get a text from somebody who was in that league. Yeah. One of the cowards. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. No. You're all cowards. Yeah. And so, so I think that is that is part of it. If you, you know, if you're live betting or betting props and things like that in the middle of a game, that could change it as well. But if you have a game that's either a, a win or a loss, kind of from the beginning, you're like, all right, well, I'll just kind of wait for the game game to end so I can cash. The day also got off to such a terrible start. I don't like these London games. Like I love they're not. I, love I like that they're early. I like that at, at you know me. I wake up at like four, so I like that just a couple hours after I'm up, something's going to be there. It starts at six a.m. and it goes all the way until late. Like it's cool. But the quality of the games are not. Well, great. I've I've proposed, and I think I think we should do it. Um, what the NHL is doing next Tuesday, you, you've seen the schedule for next Tuesday in the NHL, right? No. Every fifteen minutes, they start. They're starting a new game. Every team's in action. Mm. They're starting three, three fifteen, three thirty, three forty-five, four, four fifteen, the whole way. Uh, Knights play at eight, last game of the night. Uh, they're also gonna, they're going to do a red zone for. It's kind of like what they used to do with college hoops, like the uh, what's it called, the, the marathon. Yeah, the marathon. But the marathon was one game after another, one at a time, which I would love for, for the like NFL. what twenty four hours, right? Yeah, yeah, I would love for the NFL to do that if they used to start like games at six, nine, mm-hmm. noon, to stagger them, or even like every hour and a half. So it's like one game's halftime, one game ends. Like you're just kind of you're you're kind of going from game to game. I would love that too. Um, I, I would just any game that's on, but the six thirty games I love just because you're like, oh, you got something to watch early in the morning. Where do you watch games? Home. So nah, you have, I can't ask you. You have Red Zone, but not a car? Yes, I am currently. You know what? I'm actually rewatching the Raider game right now. That's what's on my laptop. <laughs> nice. From the Red Zone that I pay $15 a month for. You're Wait a minute. You're rewatching it via Red Zone? Or you have oh, not NFL Red Zone. Plus? Excuse me. The NFL Plus. Yeah, okay. My bad. My bad. I feel like you should maybe route that money to a different source. <laughs> every, you know little, every little you know dollar counts. Do? Let's, in the next hour. Let's, Why let's, didn't you get your car? No, let's, uh, let's break down DeMond's budget. <laughs> You know who's gonna? Oh my god! You know what we should do? Let's ask Steve Kim. Now back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Steve Cofield out, checking out Nolens as he usually does pretty regularly throughout the year. Adam Hill, Jonathan Von Tobel filling in on a version of Von Tobel y Los Vatos. And uh, Steve Kim is nice enough to give us some time. So we do have a Steve on the program. Steve, uh, we appreciate it. I, I wanted to start here uh, because I am still getting to know you. You are a Miami guy, correct? Uh, I am a diehard Miami Hurricane fan, and I've died many deaths the last 18 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, all right. That's uh, that's where I kind of wanted to start. Um, what? I mean, I guess what was that? I, I, North Carolina looked more physical. The second half was way better. Now you're talking about two straight losses after what Cristobal pulled last week. Well, where's your uh, faith at here with Cristobal in this program right now? You know, I haven't really jumped off the Cristobal bandwagon. I, I think he is a lot like Butch Davis. And I went through some past tweets. I was cleaning out my phone yesterday, and I said when Mario Cristobal was hired, what Miami is getting is a strong recruiter, a program builder, a guy that will instill a physical, tough culture. But, and this is, and every Oregon fan will tell you this, clock and game management would be an issue, much like it was with Butch Davis. And I still, and people make it sound like Butch Davis had this easy path to building that 2001 monster team that he ran out on and didn't coach. But there were a lot of instances where there were roadblocks where, you know, he lost twice to East Carolina. He was never able to beat Virginia Tech his first five attempts. There were bad losses. And there was also a five and six season. So none of this is going to be a straight line. It's, it's still a building process. I, I, you know, I thought. To be honest with you guys, the first half showed that they played hard. As sloppy and as fundamentally unsound as they were, they were actually winning at halftime. And so it, it wasn't an effort thing. And they kind of at least physically bounced back from that horrific game that they blew against Georgia Tech, which is squarely on Cristobal. And then second half, Drake May really showed his class. But there's still a culture problem within that program. Too many guys playing hero ball. Too many guys, I think it's really about them and not the program. And, and there's going to be some interesting things going on because I'm, I'm actually going to the Clemson game, guys. I'm flying out there Wednesday. I want to see if certain players are still out there on a regular basis like they have been the last year or two. Yeah, it's a fascinating game with Clemson out there. When it comes to Cristobal and the way that this program is going, the one thing that sticks out when I talk to people like you who are fans of the program, you do hear that word build a lot. Is that the way you should do it, though, in today's day and age? I mean, look at what Dion did over at Colorado. It turns a one-win team just like that in the transfer portal to something somewhat competent. Like, shouldn't you be able to turn around a program relatively quickly if you can recruit at the level Cristobal can? Yeah, I mean, look, there's no longer a such thing as a template where it's just a five-year rebuild. Because when, when, when I was growing up and during the Butch Davis era, when he took over in 1995, I remember everything was a five-year program because, in theory, that meant you got a recruiting class and they could all redshirt and stay five years. Yep. And it was a much slower build in terms of turning over a roster. But, Steve, he actually brought in 41 new players, and he tried to gut the roster. Now, it wasn't quite as extreme as, let's say, USC. Lincoln Riley had the luxury of bringing in maybe the best player in college football, a guy that would win a Heisman. Uh, Didn't bring much of a defense with him. But, yeah, you can rebuild and restructure a roster much quicker. But I get the sense, I still think this, though, if you want to be one of the elite programs for the long haul, I believe the bulk of your roster still has to be homegrown recruits with the supplement of the transfer portal at certain key positions off the waiver wire. And that's the sense that I get with how Cristobal wants to build this program. Uh, 
I mean, you've got to be excited, though, that Haley Cavender is coming back to basketball. She hasn't decided if it's Miami yet, but that's fun. You know what's funny? I'm one of those guys, I I did not care one iota that Miami (laughs) made the Final Four in men's basketball, and I care even less about women's basketball in general. (laughs) But good luck to her. Good luck to her. It's a it's a great story of NIL transferring uh, transferring kids away from small schools and making them go to bigger ones where they can have a bigger brand. It's fun. It's a great great storyline for sure. At least better than uh, more. I mean, look, I know you love boxing. Logan Paul is boxing now, and Jake Paul. This is so silly. Was this a, another step back for the goofy sport this weekend with everybody all excited <laughs> about this dumb fight? Well, boxing's gone backwards so much, it looks like Michael Jackson moonwalking at the Motown Awards <laughs> in 83. I, You know, I, look, I respect the right for anyone to make money. We are capitalists and do what they want. But I also really, really respect my right not to pay attention to it. <laughs> I, I mean, this my, my whole Saturday was football palooza. I was watching three, four games at once for about 12 to 14 hours. And then eventually I got over to the ESPN fights and also the Showtime fights with Tim Zhu. I can honestly tell you guys, I don't even know what happened in the Logan Paul fight. I have not seen a clip of it. I've seen a few pictures. I just think some of those things, look, that's for a younger generation, which I'm not a part of, thankfully. I don't pretend to care about it. I don't care to cover it. And, Steve, you read my articles. I did not devote one word uh, my past article that I just sent you a couple hours ago sure. to that event. But again, I respect the right for other people to enjoy it. I think guys more our age guys, we don't really have to pretend to like it. I just don't think it's really not my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm just worried of like where is this is this mean boxing's done as if is that's what people are watching. Like how can we no, get people it, excited about it's real not fighters? Done. You know my good friend Larry Merchant had one of the great lines ever. He said, the thing about boxing, uh, ain't nothing going to save it, ain't nothing going to kill it. It'll <laughs> always be evolving. It'll always change. As also Bob Aaron once told me, um, nothing ever stays the same. Nothing ever really changes. And this is the, the novelty fights are not really all that new. I mean, look, Muhammad Ali fought Antonio Inoki in this ill-fated event back in 1977. He, uh, he also fought Lyle Alzado at Mile High Stadium. So this really, again, is not really all that new. I think the difference is is that the participants come in with large built-in audiences from social media, which did not exist even 20 years ago. That's interesting. I don't know. Look, as long as boxing makes enough of the matchups that we want as hardcore fans, it'll be okay. But on the flip side, it'll never be what it was in the 70s or 80s either. Steve Kim with us, so three knockdown rule podcast. You had something else? Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to transfer. You mentioned Tim Zua. You you started a firestorm, I think, by uh, advocating for him today on Twitter. What are people so mad about? I, I have no idea. I mean, this guy actually has the temerity to get this guy's fight. <laughs> I mean, the nerve of this guy. Not just to wait around. Look, he's had three fights in seven months. Every fight, I think he's looked a little bit better, and he has certainly improved. I don't believe this is Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. There's a lot of authenticity to what's going on here, and he's made it very clear that he'd like to go big game hunting and take on Jermel Charlo for the rest of the belts at 54. But since the time that he got knocked down in the first round in Minnesota against Trell Gaucher, his improvement has been rapid, and it's been eye-opening. 
And as of right now, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, I would make him at least even money against any 154-pounder in the world. I, I think he's the real deal. Yeah, well, I mean, what what do you think he's going to get next? There are people going to be a little bit hesitant to take him on if he does want to go big game hunting. It's not a one-way street. Here's the issue that he has. The other three belts in that division at 154 are controlled by an American. That is the aforementioned Jermel Charlo, who just recently did 12 rounds of something. <laughs> not a lot of fighting. He did 12 rounds of something against Canelo. I don't know if he ever comes down to 54. Until he gets a firm grip or control of that division, he can't really go back to Australia and say, look, I'm a big Australian draw. But he's made it clear, I want to come to Las Vegas. But here's the other reality, guys. Jermell Charlo, if he's not facing a Canelo, is not a big draw in America. So that strategy, to me, is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I love the fact that him and his team has taken it upon themselves to not wait around, but to actually work at the craft, which is such a lost dynamic in boxing, and uh, I'm enjoying uh, watching his development on a consistent basis. Steve Kim here on Cofield and Company. Make sure you check out the three Knockdown Rule podcasts and also Snack Nutrition, S-N-A-C, this spot, uh, this spot brought to you by Snack Nutrition. So I wanted to circle back and tie in what we're talking about here to uh, everything with the Paul Brothers and all this boxing stuff. Can I make the argument, Steve, that it is good for boxing in that it does get young people involved in the sport, wanting to actually participate in the sport, and there is a bigger chance that some of this younger generation will then be part of the next you know, wave of boxers that eventually make it up? I think there's an argument for it. I don't know if we've seen any real evidence of that happening, although, again, it's really early into this process. It's about, what, three years. But, guys, let's go back about 20, 25 years ago. Wasn't Tiger Woods supposed to lead some sort of golf revolution with all sorts of young people and people of color and other ethnicities? Like, remember that famous commercial, <laughs> I am Tiger Woods? Yeah, I, sure. I mean, did he really spur a golf revolution in this country like everyone hoped he would, or at least Nike said they would? I don't know if that's any real evidence that that's happened. Yeah, we still just want to watch Tiger. I mean, speak exactly. for yourself. Yeah. Speak for yourself, I don't know. <laughs> Sure. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, yeah, I guess that's pretty fair. The the jury is still out, and the the argument against it, Steve, would be that yes, they want to participate in boxing, but they also eventually want to get to a point where they want to participate in cards like Logan Paul's. Right, and, and look, it's interesting. As much as I am, I don't want to say cynical, but let's say apathetic towards it. Look, I'm not going to deny the fact that there is an audience. Uh, they seem to be filling arenas. I've heard they do pretty good pay-per-view numbers. I don't know when it's 15 minutes of fame are over. But in terms of Paul, I will give him credit. I think they've already announced his return to the ring in December. See, that's something that's lost on today's fighter. If you're already participating, and Steve, we talked about this the last time I was in Vegas, you're already in a niche sport. And if you're going to be an athlete that's only going to perform once every eight, nine months and no more than twice a year, I don't see how you ever break through to the mainstream. Logan Paul and Jake Paul, they're doing something that other boxers should look at and say, you know what, I may never have that YouTube audience, but they are at least performing a lot more often than I am. That should be the lesson here to all the other boxers. Steve, we appreciate a couple minutes today. Thank you very much. Let everybody know what's going on. I think I saw you're tweeting out uh, you're recording the new uh, episode pretty soon here. 
Yeah, we're going to record it tomorrow because uh, Mario will be going to the Chargers road game against Dallas at SoFi Stadium, and I think he's going to be in that luxury box with the Spanos family. So we had to back up the three-knockdown rule one day, but it'll be out by Wednesday or Thursday. Appreciate the time, Steve. Thank you very much. Have a great week, guys. Appreciate it.